2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, August the 14th, 2022. And I'm joined, as always, from my immediate south. Not always, because you weren't here last week. I was not. I was in Binghamton. You summarily and unprofessionally had other commitments. But you're here
3: today, Chris Call. Hello. Hello uh good morning everybody those of you watching us live and uh yeah it's a fun weekend uh last night was the 20th anniversary of Empire State wrestling I was the ring announcer you were in the back being the producer
2: yes I had a- my I had my agent headset on mm-hmm. uh, so, so which was really only useful uh, you know a handful of times but um yeah uh, I we produced I produced the the agented some stuff and uh, that was at Buffalo River Works in in real Buffalo New York very yeah. few ESW shows have been in real Buffalo but yes uh, a, a a good time any
3: highlights that you would like to point out um, well we had the alumni from the last twenty years ESW is Lumberjacks I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Jake something and uh, Kevin Blackwood was a really, really good main event. The main event. Yep. Um, speaking of main event, uh, the main event uh, tag team, the guys that do the circus gimmick, they were there and they had a really good match with uh, to infinity and beyond. Um, Rachel out might be the nicest person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like super nice. Just uh, overall, very, very, very good show.
2: Yeah. That'll be on IWTV soon, I believe. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what do you want to talk about today? Well,
3: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about Trump. Trump, yeah. What, what does that have to do with Russell Well, Vince McMahon and just just, just that, trying to
2: shoehorn in some clickbait here because there's big Trump news as always and as, as especially this week.
3: Well, uh, Vince McMahon and Donald Trump have uh, done business together. Have man, they? And then that business is is come to light uh, as of recent as we're learning more about. The undisclosed amounts that Vince McMahon spent and did not inform the proper channels? Possibly. Possibly. Possibly.
2: Quite likely, I think. Uh, probable might be the right word. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that degree of probability. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll discuss what W disclosed on Tuesday, how that connects to payments that vince and or linda and or wwe made to the trump foundation uh if people want to participate today how can they do that chris
3: yep so if you're watching us on youtube you'll see there's a little dollar sign uh right now below where you would ask a question put any amount you see fit for a question and that's a super chat and we will answer super chats throughout the show uh as they line up with the topic but we will get to all your super chats
2: yes um so what's going on here so We've got up to this point, as of Tuesday. You know, this was disclosed. I don't know if this was disclosed Tuesday morning or Tuesday uh, afternoon. I think it was in the afternoon after closing the market. But before then, what we knew, or what what WB itself. So it's, it's not, at least from WB's point of view. I suppose Vince may have his own defense, but from WB's point of view, up to this point, before this document comes out, fourteen point six million dollars in unrecorded expenses is the amount that W has to catch up on because of payments that W believes and I don't know if there's that much dispute about it but but payments that Vince McMahon is alleged to have made with various women over the years running from 2006 to 2022. Of course if you most of the people listening probably know what we're talking about the Wall Street Journal broke the story on June 15th about how Vince had an NDA agreement That's redundant, isn't it? An NDA with a a paralegal who's no longer with the company, who also had a a sexual relationship with uh, John Laurinaitis, as well as Vince. She was paid $3 million, reportedly, to sign the NDA. These are payments. It's not just scandalous in itself, but these are also payments that should have been recorded as company expenses, even though Vince used his personal money. Why? Explain that to me, Gola. Why? Vince uses his own personal money. What's the big deal here?
3: Because this is a publicly traded company that is, he's using personal money for something related to the business. So you're talking NDAs with employees. Is it related
2: to the business though? It's it's just his, his private bit. He was having a a relationship with his employee. Uh, How is it related to the business?
3: Well, an employee and I mean and including the one said employee was also promoted uh, with a raise uh, but um, having these agreements can affect performance, work environment and that can affect the bottom line
2: I, I think the, the idea is that he, he made this agreement with the former paralegal as well as other women over the yeah. years to protect not only himself but to protect the company to in- ensure that they would not go public with their stories that would damage the company as well as Vince personally he paid these women off so um, and, and there's all, there was a further Wall Street Journal report that r- raised I believe three additional like here, there, there is the former female talent, there is the contractor there is the other employee so I think that's a total of four that we know of totaling $14.6 $14. Yes. $14. million in payments that must be recognized by WE as company expenses that were not recognized as company expenses. So WB's got to go back and adjust, reissue their financial reporting. Uh, they're going to do that and place it in 2019 and forward. So WB, sh- in normal circumstances, would have already reported their second quarter earnings, Uh, I originally expected it to happen, based on the normal pattern of their reporting, to be on August 4th. That is now two Tuesdays ago. Um, Two Thursdays ago, excuse me. So W put out a a filing earlier this month where they said that, you know, this is what's happening here, and we've got to reissue our, our financial statements, and we're targeting August 9th to do that report second quarter earnings, and the reissuing of our prior financial reporting. But they come out with a new statement on August 9th because they haven't done their earnings report yet, saying, okay, this is going to be delayed, uh, at least in part, apparently, because we found more payments that Vince made that should have been and weren't recorded as company expenses. $5 million worth. So we already had $14.6 million, $14.6 million. Well, add another $5 million to it because the company, as they wrote here in this filing signed by Frank Riddick, the company has determined, we can go to the other slide, right? Because that's got the bigger, the company has determined that two additional payments totaling $5.0 million dollars unrelated to the allegations that led to the special committee investigation that Mr. McMahon made in 2007 and 2009 should have been recorded in the company's consolidated financial statements. Now, when this news came out last week, Tuesday, about, what, six days ago or so, um, there was—I did, I did see some consternation about this, this clause in here, in in, in this sentence— unrelated to the allegations that led to the special committee investigation and led to some people to raise, like, what are they talking about here? Is this not related to the alleged sexual misconduct of of Vince McMahon and, and John Laurinaitis? what's going on here uh i but i figured now it just means it's probably not related to the original allegation which is the former paralegals allegation which to to remind everybody how this whole thing got kicked off is that according to the wall street journal a friend of the paralegal or at least someone claiming to be a friend of the paralegal emailed the w board of directors and made them aware of the nda payment um So that's how this whole thing got started. So many people, including myself, just assume that that's what they're referring to here in this part of the sentence that says unrelated to the allegations that led to the special committee investigation. Um, That still may or may not be the case in terms of what what WB and perhaps Frank Riddick is trying to say here. In any case, we can look further into this and find some some very interesting connections. To emphasize, what else is said here? Mr. McMahon made payments in 2007 and 2009. Well, some days later, it was brought to my attention by someone paying closer attention than me, perhaps, that 2007 and 2009, well, what happened in those years? What was a big story for WWE in those years?
3: Well, in 2007, uh, Donald Trump was involved in the Battle of the Billionaires, and in 2009, he bought Raw. And I use that in quotation marks.
2: Yes, in a, in a fictional storyline. Although you, you, the the um, the the stock market might have thought otherwise. Um, so, so in these filings, which you can easily find through ProPublica's Pro website, you know Don, Donald Trump's. Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump Foundation, which is nonprofit, his nonprofit organization. Uh, the IRS filings have been public for a long time. And this has kind of been litigated in the media already uh, because it was, you know, it was scrutinized around the time that Linda McMahon was running for Senate. She ran for Senate in 2010 and 2012. In any case, it's easy to find this stuff. These are his, well, not his, but the foundation's IRS filings okay remember, it's a non nonprofit organization to do charity work and things of that nature supposedly uh so if you look at the twenty seven two um, excuse me two thousand seven filing there is a contribution listed as being from w b with the headquarters address are you familiar with this headquarters address uh gullo would you would you recognize the headquarters address if you saw it i
3: i would not but i'm must- a I'm assuming, is that WWE's headquarters? I'm this assuming. is the
2: address of WWE's headquarters on East Main Street in Stanford, Connecticut. And in any case, it says right here, for people watching on YouTube, it says WWE made this contribution. Not Vince McMahon. There's no Vince McMahon here. There's no Linda McMahon here. But anyway, WWE contributes $4 million in 2007. 2007 is the year that Donald Trump participates in WrestleMania and the build-up to WrestleMania. And then we can look at the 2009 filing and World Wrestling Entertainment. Same address. You got a P.O. box here, Stanford, Connecticut. $1 million. $1 million in 2009, the year that Donald Trump participates in a couple episodes of Raw. Okay. Uh, so there's that. There's Here's a photo of, of, of some press conference where Donald Trump and Vince Ban are posing together with special referee Stone Cold Steve Austin to promote WrestleMania. Uh, the the storyline on Raw where I believe he just appears on video. This is, just, I believe June 15th, 2009. And then the following episode, the 22nd, 2009, he, uh, in the first episode, he appears on video. He has bought raw, but then he forces Vince McMahon in this fictional storyline to, uh, to buy it back and buy it from him at a profit to, Do- to Donald Trump. Um, so there's that. Um, this is, this is what we want to call circumstantial coincidence at this point, circumstantial evidence. Um, it, I, I reached out to WB uh, as I was looking into this and and asked if it was an unrelated coincidence. Uh, I kept them up to date on on how I was looking into this and how I was going to publish an
3: article about it. I, I got no response so far anyway. Um, Can I so. ask you this, though? Yes. So yes. we'll never find out, obviously, who the NDAs are, are paid to unless they come forward. Would we find out this? Because it's, as we know, it's not an NDA. Like, would this eventually come out?
2: I think it's a question of how transparent is W going to be with the results of this, its investigation? I think that's a very good question. Um, are we going to get public disclosures? Are we going to get, like, a public report from W's board of directors and whatever the results are of their investigation? This may be confirmed eventually. More, I mean, like, yeah, I agree with you. We're... we're, we're probably never going to get confirmation about who the women are, who Vince McMahon had signed NDAs for millions of dollars. Um, but we might get this because there's no NDA apparently yeah. involved here. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, the The reason why I, I I feel comfortable examining this publicly is because it's it seems highly unlikely that this is just an unrelated coincidence um, if we took, so I did some, this is a very Russell things thing to do, but I sort of did the probability on this, we've got two years here, right, we got 2007 and 2009, they appear to be investigating a period of at least from 2006 to 2022, which is this year, um, so if we took any two year pitfall, hang on tight so follow me here if you can we're going to take any two-year pair that is only two years or less distance from each other. So for example, 2006 and 2006, 2006 and 2007, 2006 and 2008. And then you go all the way through the years to the present and you get a series of years. This'll be easier for, for those watching on YouTube to follow what I'm saying here probably. And then I, then I took all of the, 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 values uh, that could have could have been between, let's say we know that there's an NDA agreement for $3 million. We know there's an NDA agreement for, I think it's about $7.5 million. So if we take that entire range of values on increments of of one-tenth, and uh, we do the probability here. Anyway, the, the odds of this being, uh, based on those assumptions, and you can obviously arbitrarily change those parameters to make, make this narrower or wider, but based on those parameters... This is kind of like a one in two thousand chance that this is an unrelated coincidence. That, in other words, the likelihood that Vince McMahon slash Linda McMahon slash WB just happened to make in the years of two thousand seven and the years of two thousand nine some other payments that just happened to total five million dollars is, is possible.
3: Possible. The, the odds are not zero. We're pretty, we're pretty close. If if this is what happened, right, I think, like, it, I mean, it's basically a talent agreement. He's giving money to, to Donald Trump, whether it's a Trump charity, whatever it might be, to make a talent appearance. I mean, that stuff doesn't technically have to be reported. Like, so we don't know wrestler salaries or performance salaries, but... So, but wouldn't you have to put it in like just a talent of uh, overall talent expenses? Like if they were reporting it in their quarter filings when this should have happened? So,
2: so I think what's happened, what happened, what happened here is that W has now determined this is what my, my expectation. This is not a fact. Uh, but I, but I suspect it might be a fact. Uh, what I think happened here is that, WE determined these payments that you made to the Trump Foundation, we, we now believe that these were a, a compensation for Trump's appearances on W television. Trump's appearances on W television obviously were to benefit the company. Um, you didn't record these as company expenses at the time. They have to be recorded as company expenses. Um, may, maybe this doesn't come to light unless the other stuff about the NDAs comes to light first and then leads to further scrutiny that might not have happened otherwise. Um, But that would be my guess about what has happened here. Um, Now, W has made comments in the past, when this has come up in the context of of Linda McMahon's political activities. Uh, Because why why would this come up in the context of Linda McMahon's political activities? Because For one for one reason, perhaps, is because there's a perception of of pay to play here in terms of, by God, the the McMahon's have been so generous to the Trump Foundation over these years. And and now you're uh, at least in the the case of her appointment to the Small Business Administration during Trump's cabinet uh, during Trump's term. is, is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a reasonable question to ask. Uh, is Linda McMahon getting a, appointed to a cabinet position because of the McMahon's financial generosity to Trump-related activities in the past? Um, but this was also raised in, in the lead-up to her, I believe, second uh, run for U.S. Senate in Connecticut, both, both of which she, she was not elected. Um, so, in the past, when this has come up, Journalists have reached out to W for comment, and W has said everything from it was Vince only making personal payments, to later, after she was no longer running for Senate, saying, "Oh no, it was Vince and Linda." They then later, in in 2016, uh, in a in a comment that they gave to Huffington Post at the time, were willing to say that it was Vince and Linda personally giving money. Now, perhaps they just share an account. It's very possible that. Uh, uh, people who are married may share a bank account that they may make payments from. Um, so, and it's been, been stated by W. in the past, again, they have not commented on this more recently, but in the past, D- WE spokespeople have said that it was, that those payments to the Trump Foundation were not compensation for Donald Trump's appearances on WE programming. Were not. Uh, and that. Donald Trump was paid separate appearance fees. Now, WB's WB's board's investigation may have believed differently more recently. Uh, But that's what they have said in the past.
3: Um, We got a super chat from Tim B. Thank you, Tim. Uh, How does WB record expenses without throwing their balance sheet off without the offsetting revenue? Is this WB acting as the payment processor?
2: It's it's probably my own flaw that I'm always I'm always have to like reread reread the question. Uh, how does how does be record expenses without throwing off their bail? Well, I I, I, th- I think this addresses the question. Is that you know W is continuing to say in these statements that um, even the 19.6 million dollars that we're at here in total unrecorded expenses, um, if it were all in one quarter, they say yes, it would be material. What's material mean? Material in this context means anything that a reasonable investor would consider uh, important to considering the value of the company. So this is important to consider the context of what is W's total financial picture. Okay. This is a company that generates about, you know, just over a billion dollars in revenue a year. And it, it, that's what they did last year. I believe $1.1 <laughs> billion in annual revenue for 2021 uh, on the scale of a billion dollars. Even nineteen million dollars, nineteen point six million dollars is not a lot, right? That's um, that's what what is that as as a percent? What's nineteen point six? Nineteen point six divided by one billion dollars—that's like two percent of their revenue. So it's fairly small. If it was in one quarter, they say yes, it would be material. It looks like they're gonna. This is my interpretation. They haven't been explicit about this. My interpretation is that they're going to reissue financial statements and just spread that money where they think it belongs. Maybe they have said something specific to this, but they're going to spread that money. It looks like along the course of like three years, so that it will end in, in, in in the end, it will not be material because it'll be sort of distributed over three years. Um, it'll be relatively minor. So I think what we're going to end up with when WWE finally reissues their financial statements, we're going to end up with like a, a slightly slightly less profitable WWE. Um, but not a major difference and huh. not something that in and of itself is going to affect the value of the company that is the stock
3: price. Um, we're going to continue this super chat train oh. with MJ. Thank you, MJ. What about the political contributions during pandemic that allowed them to operate in Florida during shutdowns? When that will that come back to haunt them?
2: You have to remind me what that is. That sounds familiar. What, I, I do remember... Governor Ron DeSantis um, a- acting indignantly to to, uh, to some some question from from media in a press conference, and um, that sounds familiar. We might have even talked about it at the time, but uh, I, I I don't know that we're going to see a lot more along these lines. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I think uh, the 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 Trump money. The money to the foundation we're talking about 5 million dollars I, I don't know if those contributions were were comparable to to you know one payment of 4 million another payment of 1 million um we'll see thank you mj so um is there anything else to say here i guess we we could go on here and and mention that um, there was a comment when this was looked into by outlets like Forbes uh, in the past that uh, Donna Goldsmith gave a comment to Forbes in a – we'll get the, get the correct year – in 2007 um, – Donna Goldsmith, who people can see on the screen here on the left, she was the former chief operating officer of WE. This is an image of her on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, I believe, when W. When was ringing the opening bell one day. Uh, she's seen here with Linda McMahon and Stephanie McMahon and Michelle Wilson, all of whom were W. executives, I believe, at the time. Um, and she told Forbes in 2017 that, quote, my guess is that the contributions that is to the Trump Foundation – did come directly from Vince. It was probably a payment for the hair versus hair match referring to the t- 2007 WrestleMania match between Umaga and Bobby yeah. Lashley. Did didn't, didn't like Trump get his name wrong or something in a promo?
3: Uh yeah, I think it was Umaga, I think I think that was the joke. Something like that. Yes. Um or maybe it was Bobby Lashley's name he got wrong. I think that's what it was. Yes.
2: Um, it's funny. Everybody says, like, Trump is a big pro wrestling fan. Some, sometimes you see that in, in like, mainstream media when, when people are understandably comparing his form of politics and rhetoric to, to that of pro wrestling. I don't think he's, like, a, a regular watcher or studier
3: of, of the wrestling business, but but there are definitely some, some similarities. Anyway, yes. I was just started to think, did he, did he ever appear any other times in the publicly traded era? Obviously, we know he's there in the late 80s. Well, in Hall of Fame Hall of in
2: 2013. Fame. Okay. Um, yeah. And the, to, to my knowledge, there are no related payments. And by the way, we should explain, like, why why not just pay him in the traditional way? Why not just, you know, pay him as, as an independent contractor or whatever, like they would any other talent? Because the Trump Foundation is a nonprofit organization. And at least in this country, nonprofit organizations are not subject to the same sort of taxation, Tax policies that that uh, for-profit businesses are, um, and uh, I'm not a legal expert or a taxing expert, but I would expect that if this happened, that the motivation would be, um, "Hey, look, you can. Why don't you just pay me? Pay pay it to, to the organization. Uh, you know, I in, in and maybe you know, in lieu of me contributing this money." to the organization, just pay pay the, the money to the organization that maybe I was going to spend anyway. But rather than me taking it and then putting it in the organization, you just put it right in the organization, right in the nonprofit organization. And that way, you know, it's not going to get taxed in the same way as if you paid it to me directly. And and maybe this eased the McMahon's personal tax burden because you can say, hey, I, I gave $4 million to charity in 2007 i gave a million dollars to charity in 2009 and that may have lowered the mcmahon's tax burden um but uh accountants may may be able to enlighten us on that subject um that may may or may not be legal too by the way that that sounds that sounds shady to me if that's how it went down um so we'll 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 see what happens here. As as uh, Nate Milton said a few weeks ago, uh, when when it came to Al Capone, it wasn't the murdering that took him down. It wasn't the bootlegging. Oh nope. That took him down. What was it?
3: It was tax laws, tax
2: it evasion. Was the tax evasion. <laughs>
3: you ever you ever watch the Untouchables? No. Is that about it, Al Capone? Yeah. That that's about that whole thing. Yeah. It's uh oh I don't know I think Kevin Costner if I remember but Sean Connery and. Uh, it's a really good movie but yeah it's about how they got they tried to get him down for bootleg and they cut not so they got him for the tax evasion okay um,
2: alright so coincidentally and to whatever information we have at this point it is purely coincidental apparently uh, the FBI did execute on a search warrant on Monday to collect a number of boxes you know in, according to the the, uh, the filings that were released, uh, the legal filings that were released on Friday, detailing what was taken by the FBI from the Mar-a-Lago residence, which is Donald Trump's residence in Florida. They took a lot of boxes of classified documents. Um, we have no information at this point to suggest that this is related to to the situation with W.E. and Vince McMahon. Um, but, but that's that's what we know right now.
3: Um, so, real quick, uh, MJ just gave us a corrected uh, super chat. He goes, "Correction: uh, the political PAC run by Linda did the contribution, not McMahon's directly. Sorry about that." So, regarding the pandemic, I believe.
2: Thank you, MJ. Even spending money to to make his own correction, I, I very much appreciate that. Um, yeah, but that I mean, whether or not it's the McMahon's personally, or or whether it's Linda. Well, whether it's Linda's, you know, political organizations, I think you know it's it's, it's worth scrutiny. Um, you know, I I wonder, you know, how involved or how close any of Linda McMahon's actions are to to WWE's interests at this point. Obviously, Linda still owns a great deal of stock. Um, if you. Exclude financial institutions. I believe she would be the third largest personal owner of, of W stock, behind, of course, Vince and then Stephanie. Stephanie owns more shares than Linda does. Um, although, if you know, if, if Vince were to pass away or something, I don't know where that where Vince's stock would go. Um, but yeah, it, it it doesn't appear to me at this point. Like, I would buy it if you know, if if Linda was quite removed from whatever interests that that w has or that that ben Stephen has at this point um but that's just my
3: intuition so um, anything else there in, in nothing else here i think we uh, kind of answered it like i said maybe they'll put out the uh, a public report at least about this and we kind of know that i mean that these were uh for uh donald trump being a talent these pu- contributions of the charity
2: and you know we haven't gotten a uh, a a q2 call yet i i would guess that that maybe we should expect that this coming week maybe on tuesday maybe on friday on thursday those seem to be the weekdays that they often choose um to do an earnings call on uh so maybe we will we will have an earnings call this week um i was I've i've been thinking you know like are they just going like to drop a 10Q, which is like a quarterly report filing, one afternoon and then just not do a conference call? Um, I wouldn't completely rule that out. They're uh, not legally obligated to do a conference call, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's, there's like any SEC rule that you have to do an earnings call with, with analysts. Um, but there may be other motivations why you should uh, that, that I, I can't articulate. But I did, I did ask you know, you know, someone who I trust knows more about this than I do who told me that no, they, they will probably still do an earnings call. So we'll see. Um, I would, have, you know, I, I know earnings calls with, with stock analysts are not media calls, uh, with journalists, but I I would like to hear someone ask about whether or not this is actually related to, to the Trump foundation contributions, uh, whether or not that, that extra $5 million that we learned about on Tuesday was, is, you know, is related to the Trump foundation contributions, which just happened to, Total five million dollars, the same amount that you just disclosed, in the same years that you just disclosed the payments were made. Um, I would want to know that. But is is it necessary for investors to know that? I, I, I guess I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a very interesting earnings call because I'm sure there's going to be questions around around Vince and around the future of the company and around the notion about whether or not is going to. Be up for sale. I don't believe that they are really pursuing a sale or in, in any sort of serious negotiations to sell the company. But that's something that's obviously moved the stock price. That
3: that speculation. Um these these super chats keep rolling. Tim B is back here and he asks, "The unrecorded expenses amount seems subjective. Why not 100 million considering WWE has stated losing VKM in the past would be devastating?"
2: What, where, where do you get $100 million from in, in that? If Tim B. wants to put that in the chat without a super chat um, to follow up, we we can display that. Um, why not $100 million considering W has stated losing Vince McMahon in the past would would be devastating. I mean, I, 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 I don't think there's any any need to count, count Vince McMahon's exit as an expense. I, I think, you know, you just like you wouldn't count COVID-19 happening as an, as an expense. It, it is a risk factor, um, among many other risk factors that we discloses. It, it's just to, to let investors know, here are all the things so that you have less uh, ability to sue us in a, in a shareholder class action lawsuit later when our, if, if our stock tanks. Here are all the risk factors. Here are all the things that might adversely affect our stock price uh in and, and and Vince leaving is just one of them among other things you know made major natural disasters uh they don't i I they specify pandemics but but things that would probably fit into pandemics are are specified you know th- things like uh keeping talent retaining talent and things things like maintaining their their media media rights deals um so it's just a risk factor, but if you want to follow up on that, Tim B., we, we will address it and we'll um, monitoring closely.
3: Yes. Yeah, he does say uh, WWE benefited uh, for greater than nineteen point six million by VKM re- remaining in power, according to their own filings of his worth to WWE. So he's saying by not disclosing this earlier, they've benefited more than than the nineteen point six million. He said hundred million was just a random number, but that's the point he's trying to make.
2: I guess but that's not a not an actual financial transaction and these things are financial transactions the NDA the NDA agreements are financial transactions that have been made or or are due to be made over time in the future because because van has in, at least in some of these cases apparently you know, uh he has long-term payments that are being made in installments to women with whom he's made NDAs uh and those are, you know, tangible, you know, numerical, you know, they, these, these are transactions that actually have dollar values attached to them. Um, and the Trump Foundation contributions, if that is connected to the Tuesday disclosure, that has a financial amount tied to it. Uh,
0: so. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.
2: In any event. And then from there. Yeah. I'm not going to lose these Vince, Vince-isms, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> that notwithstanding.
3: Yeah. These Super Chats have been great, by the way. Keep them coming. Uh, of yeah. course, you can do a little dollar sign that is under uh, where you can ask a question on YouTube. Any dollar amount you see fit. And we'll answer them throughout the show as they, as they see fit. Yes.
2: So on, uh, on Monday, which seems like a long time ago. I I wrote an article, this 2,000-word article that that is is available for patrons only, uh, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, about just what the future of wrestling and WWE specifically is going to be like. AEW involved in that, too. Without, without, everyone is so sad about the the departure of Vince McMahon. Uh, So sad. They are. You laugh. You laugh, Criscola, but people are saddened by this. Did you see that? Even Bret Hart. Even Bret Hart. Even the, the man who Vince McMahon screwed.
3: Even Bret Hart is sad. Did you see that? I mean, uh, yeah, he, Bret Hart has been making a lot of comments lately. As <laughs>
2: <laughs> Even Bret Hart is saddened by the departure of Vince McMahon. Um, will W ever be the same again? Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to, to lay down, I guess, some info and, and an opinion about what what WWE will be like um, without Vince McMahon in place. Uh, Chris Gull, your thoughts and opinion. It's now been, you know, it's, I would say July 22nd is the first day of the post Vince McMahon era. So we are here, some three weeks into the post Vince McMahon era, and um, has has WWE changed? Have you let's let's, let's let's set the table here. Wait, have you watched some
3: WWE programming since July twenty second? I have. You have. What have you watched? Uh, mostly Raws. I haven't really caught SmackDown. I think just because of the night it's on on Friday nights, but I have watched Raw um, and the product. Uh, you could tell. Maybe this is just because we're, you know we're in. You know we've been in wrestling shows, but you could tell that the promos are coming more natural they seem like there's a little more freedom with them, a little less scripted. We're seeing certain talent be brought back that were released under Vince McMahon. Um, it just, you know, and certain talent that were stuck on main event are now being featured in big angles, like, like I mean, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. And we could see further talent that left the WWE or did not resign come back. So it, it just, it seems like a, a more fan service product if that if that's the best way to put it.
2: Yeah. I uh, I I see two prominent opinions out there in the wrestling media space and one is that wow, things are, have really changed. Big time. Oh my god, look at all these people that are coming back. Product, you know, way different now. Uh, and I and I see another set of opinions that are like uh Sort of the, uh, the, the the traumatized partner of like this isn't going to change, nothing's going to change. There's this is so overrated that anything is going to change. And look at the ratings; they're already back down. And uh, look, look look at some other factors; they're already back down. And this is this is totally being overblown. Um, those are the opinions that I see out there. Uh, but let's look at the cage match ratings for whatever those are worth. Now, I, I, w- I would say in the defense of sort of a a pro Paul Levesque who is now the new head of creative you're just catching up and in sort of a in a a way that I would think that would be if anything more favorable to the cynical outlook if we look at cage match now maybe people would argue that there's an inflation to cage match maybe cage match is too too easy too positive in any case we can look at the trend over time now there are more votes on the on the most recent episodes there are over a hundred votes for the raw episodes in the last two weeks, whereas, you know, in the pre-Triple H H era, everything is under 50, right? Uh, In some weeks, it's as low as uh, 27. But in any case, point is, in the last three weeks, these are the three Raws that have been under the supervision of Triple H's head of creative. They have been rated a 7.9 or higher, uh, closer to eight in the last two weeks. And there's nothing in, you know, for Raw... Since WrestleMania, and I didn't go back to look further here, but that's what we're looking at right now. Everything since WrestleMania is under a 7. Right? Yeah. Everything since yeah. WrestleMania, at least, at least, is under a 7.0 on the cage match rating. Yep. And everything after is above a 7.0. So these presumably hardcore fans who are voting on cage match, if you've got a cage match user account, you're probably a hardcore wrestling fan for whatever you think that means. And these are being received more positively. Now, what about SmackDown? SmackDown? Similar. There is one SmackDown back here in the Vince era on June 10th that did get a 7.7 rating, which is higher than anything yet, but we do have these three SmackDowns. Actually, I I guess this is the day... That that Vince uh, retires on the twenty second, and that is rated pretty low. Um, on the day that Vince retires, though, I, for what it's worth, I guess Bruce Pritchard is still you know leading creative at that time. Certainly, these shows in the first weeks were written largely while Vince was still in charge of creative. So perhaps you could say it's only these last three weeks from July 29th and onward. In any case, these are you know a 7.4, a 6.3, a 7.5. So pretty positive compared to everything else since WrestleMania, which is in the Vince era. Or I mean, in a cage one, match. 1.21. One.
3: <laughs>
2: we had an abysmal smackdown in terms of cage match reception on July 8th. So we see in the cage match reception, in the cage match data for what that's worth, for what that's worth, more positive reception from people who I would think would be pretty discerning fans. If you if you're if you're going into Cage match to register a rating, you're probably a pretty discerning fan, meaning I would assume that you're going to be pretty, you're not going to be satisfied too easily. You're not know, gonna be I'm sure every, there's all sorts of people all across the spectrum in terms of the, the degree to which they are hard or easy graders. But I would think this is this is not just your average I've only ever heard of WE type wrestling fan. Um so based on that, that would suggest that 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 this is being received more positively. Now we don't have thousands of voters here, unfortunately. I don't know where else I could find more voters to get a better impression of reception, but but we do have you know a more positively received Raw and SmackDown. Well, we can watch that over time to see if that trend continues. Um, so that's what's happening here. Now, um, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon was a, a pretty successful booker for for a long time, right? He he, especially in the last few years, he brought WWE to even greater prominence than it was before in terms of being a pop culture global phenomenon especially since 2016. Would you agree?
3: I mean, he's, uh, we, have, we have to be reminiscent that he's the guy that took pro wrestling out of the smoky, cigarette-filled bars. The bars. But, yes. Yeah.
2: But yeah, where, I mean, did, he was not... Where, where did we, uh, we, we were just on a, we were just, uh, we were participating in the production of an independent wrestling show last night. Where was it?
3: Um... It was an entertainment venue, I would say.
2: That had I bars. Agree? It was it was yes. basically a massive bar. It was bas- Riverworks is basically yes. a massive bar. So I would say pro wrestling is still in the bars. If and if anything, it's more so in the bars today than it ever was. Uh, but anyway, um, so my my opinion is that I mean, look the especially from 2016 onward. Yes, WWE's financial performance improved, but it improved because of the increasing value in live. TV rights fees, which are guaranteed over time because of an external economy that valued more so over time live sports and sports like programming, including WWE. Uh, during that time, things that would be indicative of consumer interest, that is wrestling fan interest, those things declined from 2016 and forward. Now, TV shows remained highly ranked throughout that time and still today among the most highly ranked programming in 18 to 49 on their day. Raw and SmackDown are still, you know, I, I've, I've started tweeting a, a chart in the last few weeks saying, this is, these are the top cable original broadcasts in 18 to 49 for the prior seven days. And Raw is often number one, or it's in the top two, top three. Dynamite is a little bit lower, maybe around number five or so for an entire week in 18 to 49 on cable. Not including reruns. Not that reruns would probably get up that high. Point is, Raw and SmackDown are still really valuable programs, even while their consumer interest drained in the late 2010s. If we ever do some sort of live live event like on a WrestleMania weekend or something, I feel like I'm going to print these cards out. I'm gonna this slide that's on the screen right now, we're going to print them out and laminate them and give them away for free. Just public service announcements. Um, this is what happened in the final years of Vince McMahon is that the W network that helps their business. I believe I would argue it helped their business from 2014 to 2016 because it increased the reach for their pay-per-view events. It led to more engagement that led to downstream benefits that, that were evident in, in merchandise sales, in live attendance, uh, in, in pay, paid, uh, paid tickets in terms of web search, in terms of product licensing. But once people sort of got their fill after a few years of what the network did, uh, things relaxed back down. And what we saw was the network years before Netflix had its saturation of the domestic market in terms of subscribers. While that technology was still pretty new and still being adopted and embraced by the wider population, we saw the W Network stall and subscribers. We saw that by 2018, it had reached its peak and it fell back down. This new technology, that, that the, the tailwind of people embracing streaming technology, it probably should have continued growing for a few more years. And we also saw merchandise sales, both online and at the venue, decline on an annual basis in consecutive years. You can see it on, on, on the slide right now for people watching on YouTube from 2017. It got lower in 2018 and it got lower in 2019. And yes, the pandemic happened and we, we can discount that because the first three months uh, were, were, were only in the non-pandemic times. Here in 2021, also affected by the pandemic. But then product licensing, what's product licensing? What are some major categories in product licensing, Chris Call.
3: Um, that would be all the licensing deals they're doing with like the Netflix, uh, you know, contract with those. No, that would be
2: that would be in media.
3: So yeah. product, consumer products,
2: okay, stuff you could stuff you can touch with your hands. What would that those I mean, things be?
3: All your WWE shops stuff, but like they did the deal with the trading card company and stuff like that, and action okay. figures and action figures and video games. Video games uh, yeah. WWE shop
2: would be what's e-commerce here in the purple. Okay. That's merchandise, uh, but action figures and video games whether that's mobile or console is the are the biggest categories here but we know w is is licensing in numerous categories lunch boxes i don't know they were on a a cereal box i know they had the big show or something on her becky lynch on a cereal box things like that um but largely this is going to be tied to video game sales action figure sales and sales of various other things, various deals, trading card deals, sales, and things like that. I would imagine not many of them, if any of them, are guaranteed deals, but that they are tied to the sales of those products. We don't know that for sure. I don't believe that's ever been disclosed, yay or nay. But that's what I believe. So, and then we look at the look at the time, look at the uh, the, the revenue in that category over time, from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen, it goes down. In twenty nineteen, it's lower. In twenty twenty, pandemic, okay, but it's lower. So we got consecutive years, three years in a row, of decline. Ticket sales from 2017, it gets lower. And it gets lower in the following year, in 2019. That's in terms of total attendance. That's in terms of average attendance. And web search, which just so happens in many cases, and in this case, to coincide with other forms of consumer activity, declines both on a worldwide basis and on a U.S. basis in each year. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020 and 2021. Now it's flattening out lately, and I believe that's because of, largely because of Peacock widening that distribution. Just like W Network widened the distribution of pay-per-view in 2014, it just opened up all these extra homes that would consume the product. It, it took pay-per-view from being, in most cases, only in a couple hundred thousand homes, to now being in like a million homes once it got fully saturated. And now Peacock is taking that, that content from a b- 1.1 million in the U.S. to like wh- whatever number you want to use, the 13 million paid subscribers to Peacock or the 24 million monthly active accounts. Now, the rate of consumption on Peacock of W content is going to be a way smaller percentage than it would be like basically, I guess, 100 in the, percent in the form of the direct consumer network. But still, it's increasing that like 1.1 people who would consume it to, to at least a little bit higher. And that's leading to a flattening out of a lot of these metrics. So stars are important, but by God, distribution is important too. But anyway, during all this time, there's been content, actual content. And how's that content, how, how is that content made WB a better business? I would argue it hasn't. Um, and, and whose responsibility is that? That's Vince McMahon's responsibility. Vince McMahon created a product that many people, even if you loved it, you out there listening, you, lo- you loved it, you loved Roman Reigns, you acknowledged him, and you, 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 you have all of, all of your wrestlers who you love, and you love Vince, and you're sad that Vince is gone. And, you're, and now you're entitled to have that opinion and that feeling. But a lot of people don't. And a lot of people got turned off by the product. And the degree to which that happened... And not only the fans, but disenfranchised a lot of talent, too, who either, in the case of people like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, didn't want to go to WWE because they, you know, they were n- considering not going to WWE and didn't go to WWE, in part because they anticipated that if they did go to WWE, you'd have to deal with Vince McMahon, who probably wouldn't see that much value in you and might waste your career. And then you had other people like John Moxley, who were at WWE and already felt like their careers were being wasted and that they weren't being creatively fulfilled. People like FTR. And decided to leave. All of this created an opportunity, in part, in part, media rights fees value was the biggest part of it. The the leadership of of the people who started AW including Tony Khan was part of it. The right talent being available at the right time was part of it. But part of it also was the disenfranchisement of fans who were ready and waiting for some sort of strong alternative to WWE. and talent didn't want to go there and perform or at least had incentive to not. So who created, who created AEW? Was it Tony Khan? Was it TNT? Was it Ted Turner? No. Oh. Vince McMahon had a hand in that. Vince McMahon created
3: AEW in a sense, in a sense. He created his own competition. I mean, he didn't create WCW, but he he'd he really created the Monday Night Wars with the quality of his product in the mid nineties as well. No,
2: it was Ted Turner who just viciously went after him for no good reason. The, the big guy, the big corporate billionaire attacking the little guy, Vince McMahon feels so bad for Vince. Nobody ever treated him fairly. And he did it all with his own bootstraps in his hands. God, what a man.
3: Okay. Um, um yes. Uh, MJ just said you should, uh, Put the charts as a saucer collection. That's what to a go along chart. with the
2: mugs, I guess. To go yes. along with the with the mugs.
3: <laughs> saucers, yeah.
2: Yeah. um Are things gonna be better with Triple H I
3: I couldn't pinpoint financials, but I I Does content matter? Does the, does the
2: quality <laughs> of the content? I'm not necessarily talking about like critical reception quality. Does the quality of the content matter? I have an opinion.
3: What's yours? <laughs> Honestly, if you have this long withstanding of a brand, probably not unless you do something atrocious. I think content matters a lot,
2: but I think there's truth to what you're saying. Yeah. The, 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 the strength of your brand is it, is especially when you're a brand that's this old and this ingrained in culture and this ingrained in people's awareness that is a tremendous value. And we have only started to enter an era in which that matters to the degree it does. Because I think, like, we've talked about this before. Like, back in the day, talk to older people about wrestling in the 70s and prior, or even the 80s and prior. There was little even brand identity out there for wrestling companies. They talk about the wrestling, and they don't talk about the name of the company. They don't talk about what we, we would say, the NWF. They don't talk about, if you're in LA, the the, the WWA or whatever. They don't talk about the name of the company because there wasn't solid brand identity yet. And we're only, and what else there wasn't, there wasn't this vast media consumption, video consumption that there is today. We're talking about an era where there weren't even VCRs in most people's homes. (laughs) And now today, there's endless, endless video everywhere. When's the last time you were bored, Chris Collo? I was bored a couple weeks ago. and I was like, whoa, I haven't felt this way in a long time. Yeah, because the smartphone is like hitting me over the head with stuff to do and watch.
3: Uh, very rarely does it happen because even if you get that little bit of boredom, it's like, okay, what can I find new, or what do I got to catch up on new on on the streaming services?
2: I don't know when I put in my coffee. today. I'm, I'm, I'm on a roll. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're <laughs> your aunt.
3: I'm still feeling fatigue from the show from yesterday. Yeah,
2: I, I was feeling that way this morning. I was like, man, I, I I didn't even I was I was like, you know, ruminating. I was like, I didn't even bump last night. I didn't even travel, because I've always you know, I've kind of been complaining about, yeah, the travel sort of wore, wore me down, but I, like, I did, I, it's just, just being there and just standing and doing stuff. Maybe, maybe I'm just such, a, such an office worker at this point, but anyway, where were we going? So, like, Bruno Martino, for example, Bruno Martino is in wrestling circles, yes, he's respected as this, this enormous le- legend, the living legend of, of, you know, the 60s and the 70s, especially, right? In WWWF in, in world, right? Um, maybe somebody like Luthez uh, for more of an NWA side, right? Um, and there's other examples we could throw out there. But just to throw out two names, right? Those Those two wrestlers are not that well-known to newer wrestling fans today. But Hulk Hogan is super known. Great, mm-hmm. great example here. That, that I think here's a great example from last night. Um, somebody who was helping work production, his son was there. And his son w- was watching, he was watching the monitor and he saw somebody do like a, a kick. You know, somebody came off the top rope and somebody, you know, the other person like gave him a big kick. And, and this kid who's like nine years old or something. Yeah. So, and I was like, what year were you born? and the kid was like 2013, so what is that? that yeah, like nine, and, and he, he goes, that was, that was like Shelton Benjamin and Shawn Michaels. I was like, what? How, how old are you? How do you even know about that? That was 2004. That would be like if, so I was born in 1985, that would be like, so that, that's how many years of difference, six, seven. So seven years before I was born was not 1978. When I was nine years old, I sure as hell wasn't watching wrestling and being like, "That's from that's like that spot from 1978." Why is that different? Why is that?
3: Well, it's easier to find that too, right? I mean, it's it's accessibility, and I think we we live in a nostalgia culture. Even if people who didn't live the era, I mean, there is kids in their teens and in early twenties that are obsessed with 90s culture, and they didn't even right. really even live it. I think we, it's just a nostalgia. We live in a nostalgia era, and also the accessibility to relive that past. Yeah. So let's bring it back to what we're talking about. All
2: of this has to do with brand value. For example, WWE's brand value. How? Because Triple H, for instance, is is a I would say is a a bigger name, especially if we look at some of the Google trends, right? If we look at web search, if I compared Bruno San Martino to Triple H, who, if we were voting for a Hall of Fame, I think you would agree with me. We would probably put in Bruno San Martino. We might put in both Triple H and Bruno San Martino. I mean, he's in the Observer Hall of Fame. We would put Bruno in first. Yes. But in terms of awareness, public awareness, Triple H is a more well-known name personality than Bruno
3: is. Yeah. I also say. crossed over into pop culture. He was in TV shows. He was in movies. And I think that's a big part of it, too. The modern day wrestling vehicle crosses more into pop culture than any of that did. Bruno San Martino wasn't popping up on uh, the Brady Bunch.
2: And, and, then the, and there isn't, a, in, in, in Bruno's era and in, in, in wrestlers of his era, there just isn't a... As... As readily available video library of yeah. them, because it was more about driving people to the house show that wasn't necessarily recorded, um, and it wasn't on pay per views Pay-per-view didn't exist yet. Um, so anyway, how does this relate to these brand values? Is that like, everybody sort of who, who, who existed, you know, in the, sort of the '80s and afterward? And this is one thing I've noticed in trying to like find old matches, I've, I've made like a spreadsheet once of like you know, here are all the great matches that I can find for each decade, and, it, and it's it's, funnily enough, it seems like there's more, I can find more wrestling on YouTube, for example. I can find more wrestling on YouTube from the 60s than I can from the 70s. Because I think in the 70s, they just weren't anticipating video libraries being worth something later. Because people didn't have VCRs yet, I guess. that would be my guess. So, if you started to dominate the business, or if you were dominating the business in the 80s and forward, I think you you end up having a lot of brand value because you have the video library and you have the history and and people go back and sort of relive and rewatch that history I feel I'm not quite articulating the point that I want to make but I I guess I want to say that the brand value that W has today and has gained and built up to the point that it's at today is a relatively new advent and I think it's under under underrated under under talked about. So take AW for, for instance, I guess that, you know, this is the number two wrestling company in the world today. Uh, over time, they will gain that brand value. So I guess like there, there's, there's something on the horizon. I think it's been, I'm not, not not about to make an argument that AW is going to be as, as powerful and as lucrative as WWE anytime soon. But o- over, over the, over time, AEW will gain some of this brand equity too. I, I wonder if the 80s and 90s are are more important because there that was sort of a, a more nascent period in, in 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 media consumption and in media development. And so like are are the is it going to be as much as this is a question, right? Like is 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 content from the 2010s going to be as popular later as content from the 80s and 90s is now. I think that you know you know what I'm saying. But anyway, over over time, AEW will gain some of this brand equity and will gain awareness. That is really valuable.
3: Um, We'll see how it all plays out. Do you think um, the like on demand having more video on demand for them is probably a necessary tool for that because they don't have a Peacock or WWE Network where hey, I want to go watch. You know,
2: eventually they will. Couple or
3: nothing in two thousand nineteen.
2: Eventually, they will, I mean it would be like it would be ridiculous if eventually they didn't because it's just another way to monetize what you own. Why would you not? Um, and it's just a matter of how they want to execute that. Um, so yeah, uh we'll, we'll see what happens and so is Triple H going to do this this great job here? I don't know. we'll see. um Triple H lost the Wednesday night war, yes, but he also ran. a a brand called NXT from 2014 to 2018. That was a strong alternative to WWE. Um, I think that that era until, until they went on USA network is, is a great era of professional wrestling. Um, produced a lot of great shows on a level. It developed stars. um, it was always positioned as a minor league to WWE, though, so its ceiling was kind of limited. Uh, was, was NXT a financial success? We don't. Yes, WWE is a publicly traded company, but we don't really know. I highly doubt it was. Um, but it did generate revenue that might have offset, to some degree, the expenses. Uh, but yes, Triple H lost the Wednesday Night War, and NXT, in my view, I don't believe, ended up being a lucrative media rights property, which was part of what it was supposed to do, in my view, inc- as well as stop AEW in its tracks before it got started. Um, didn't succeed at, at either of those things, and I, I would argue that now we don't know the whole story about t- to what degree was was Triple H's uh, head of creative performance compromised by other forces. Don't know. Hope he writes an honest book someday and tells us. But. Um, it, it appears as if at least the output of what he was doing hit a wall after a while, shortly after they went to, to the USA network. Um, and it's, it's like Bill Watts said, Bill Watts said a lot of things that we don't condone. But one of the things that he said that I think there's some truth to is that every five years, every, 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 every booker hits a wall. And I think it's just sort of true of creative things in general. Um, eventually you kind of get creatively exhausted and maybe you need a break or maybe you need to do something different. Um, I think that's happened with a lot of bookers over the years, even like who who I would idealize as a booker, like Giant Baba. I mean, Giant Baba by the late nineties, I think his, his output was weakening. Um, So, yeah, I, I, and maybe being in a new situation will will be good for him. He has had basically a year off from from doing a job like this, and he's got like a whole new set of talent. He's got whole new distribution platforms. This is the job he's been preparing for for years and years. Uh, there are some valid criticisms here. Some 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 valid questioning about what, what what's happened already. Though we've got is Karen Cross really worthy of the role that he's thrown him in right away? I don't know. Is Dexter Loomis really worthy of the role that he's thrown him in right away? I don't know. Now, in his defense, I will say, uh, look at all this talent that he spent all of the, the late 2010s building up, and the, t- the talent that he embraced and that he marketed and promoted. People like Adam Cole, uh, people like, I don't know, who, who, who else is in, in AEW right now who is in NXT, I guess the un- Undisputed Era, are now all in NXT now. Um, a lot of the people that, that he built up and that he valued and embraced are either no longer with the company no. are now under contract to AEW or they are with the company, but they've sort of, they sort of been become known quantities in, in on W main roster, like Sami Zayn. Sammy Zane may, may, may be very happy in the role that he's in, but whatever he might've become under better creative guidance, uh, it, it's, it's getting pretty late in the game now. Uh, I suppose same thing with Kevin Owens. Um,
3: uh, real quick, Tim B. Just had a super chat with us. Thanks again, Tim. Uh, yes, Triple H ran NXT 1.0, but he did so without having to worry about money. I don't believe there will be major changes.
2: I don't think Triple H is going to worry about have to worry about money in this case either, uh, because like what like what does that mean? Um, does that mean that he's going to be have to become an accountant? No. There's there's Frank Brittick and people like that to, to handle that. And there's people like Nick Khan to handle strategy. And, and, and his co-CEO, Stephanie McMahon, to, to handle o- other things that are more on the business side. While it's his responsibility to, at this point, to oversee talent relations and to oversee the creative. And it's his job to produce content that makes people want to engage with it and makes people want to pay money to see it. Um, and WWE's in a really great place financially because they get guaranteed money from the USA network that is NBC Universal and from Fox at this point. And it's Nick Khan's job to make sure that they get a really strong renewal when those deals are dealt next year and go into effect in late 2014. Um, So I'm sure he's going to be working with budgets and things like that and he probably has before, but NXT is just just a, a different magnitude of what he has responsibility over now.
3: Well, um, we go back to brand equity. I, NXT isn't Raw or SmackDown. The general wrestling fan is going to watch Raw and SmackDown, so I think the platform is a big thing. Like, I will say this:
2: it, it will be a challenge for him to 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 do five hours of content every week, even with yeah. the even with a, even with a, a large group of, of talent. I'm sure that's not going to be easy, um, but at a minimum. It can't be worse for consumer engagement. His performance can't
3: be worse, I don't believe, than Vince's performance. And I know we don't talk too much about like booking as far as like who you want to see up a card out the card here, but I'm interested to see that with him taking over, Like there has to be an undercard. Not everybody could be elevated. Who gets pushed at? Because I know there's rumors of T-Bar, who's been stuck on main event being repackaging getting a push and i imagine we're going to see mustafa ali probably have a more prominent role and he's been stuck on main event well who people got to work on main event (laughs) you know so i'm very intrigued to see
2: you know who's on main event recently that was it's like oh that's interesting almost yeah there's going to be people who are not valued obviously as much so anyway uh I think, I think Tony Khan and AEW are in a less advantageous position here now with a stronger, in my belief, stronger head of creative. It may, may or may not be that, that strong. I know there's people who don't think it's going to be anything different. But uh, if WWE is better than it was before, that's tougher competition for AEW. For fans, they, fan, fan engagement and time, but also, also talent. Yeah. Talent, especially they, a, lot, a lot of their talent, like Adam Cole, who have strong relationships and had positive
3: relationships with, with Triple H. I think a big part of AEW's identity and is the big splash. We got this move. We signed this guy, this person's here. Like, and there's less opportunity. There's going to be less opportunity to do that, to make those splashes that the fans would care about. And, you know, we kind of talked about two weeks ago when I was on like Sasha Banks, Naomi, Johnny Gargano. If none of those three sign with AEW, it does show a shift in
2: I think a lot of that is about just what, what talent Tony is personally interested in working with. Yeah. And and the degree to which he th- he probably sees his personal taste as
3: matching the market taste. But his um, fans expect one, two, or maybe all three of those to come there. That's what his fans want. And you could see it on social media.
2: Okay. And and I think uh I don't see the trajectory of women's wrestling in AW changing anytime soon with this new situation. Yes. Sorry if we already said this in a, in a prior episode. But if, if uh if you Chris Guller were were a talented female wrestler and was offered a contract by WB for X amount of dollars, for X amount of time, same same incentives as the same offer you're given by AEW, same incentive, same money, same time.
3: Which would you choose? If I was a female talent, probably WWE. Based on the, I mean, we just we do it when we do our, uh, our we reports. Look how, Cr- how much speaking do. speaking for all women who are wrestlers. There we go. <laughs> well, when, when, when we do when we do the who's a draw. Look how much female talent are featured on all three WWE programs. Yeah, I, I
2: don't think AEW
3: and, and its head of Creative Tony Khan is
2: that invested in women's wrestling and WWE sort of even under Vince is more invested and, and ahead of the game. And I don't see that changing now. Uh, so anyway, uh, we will we'll move on to our final topic of, of the day here. We will move away from, from Mr. Triple H and go to an interesting story. A Quick, quick kicker here. God, we're, t- we're talking about Trump now. You're going to make us talk about
3: Elon Musk. Yes, we're, we're, we're polarizing figures for sure. Yes, this is just, just this is just a clickbait podcast
0: today,
2: <laughs>
3: isn't it? Somebody will accuse us of it anyway, So might as well might as well own it. <laughs> uh, so Bloomberg had an
2: interesting report two days ago. So that would be what Friday. Uh, so there's a lawsuit for people who may not be acquainted. There's a lot. Law- so Elon Musk tried to buy Twitter. Uh, he's trying to get out of his deal to buy Twitter. There's a lawsuit. Twitter is trying to force him to buy, to, make, to uphold the agreement that he made. Uh, Twitter is subpoenaing, subpoenaing a number of people to gain evidence, right? Uh, lots of big names in, in the investment world. Larry Ellison from Oracle, Ken Griffin from Citadel, Mark Andreessen, it goes on and on. But one of these names was interesting that, tw- that Twitter has subpoenaed. Christina Salen, who is the former CFO of World Wrestling Entertainment and Etsy, who Twitter says advised Elon Musk on the deal. So people who are listeners of this program may be familiar with Christina Salen. She was uh, dismissed as WCFO last November, the day after an earnings call and, and replaced by a uh, board member at that time and former interim CFO, Frank Riddick, now the permanent CFO. Uh, and we, we kind of got this impression from her social media uh, earlier on when she joined WB is that she's a, she's a big fan of Elon and, and of Tesla. So, Coming to light here at least in uh you know t- Twitter is claiming that she advised Elon Musk on the deal to acquire Twitter which is just uh, just an interesting story but that that that's all and that that's Christina Salem there with the uh with the aw championship belt but uh that's all I've got what now?
3: Well, we are. Uh, we'll uh, give our plugs. Uh, you can like, and share, and subscribe.
2: Like and share like and Andy subscribe. And share. That helps people find this podcast uh, yes. on YouTube. Subscribe to it on your podcast app. Share it. Tell a friend about it. Tell them to listen to it. Uh, and uh, and uh, Chris Gull has content too that you can check out.
3: Yeah, rediscovering indies. Uh, we just uh, recently a couple weeks ago released uh, part one of Dragon Gate USA. That was really the formation of it. We're going to really get into the business uh, side of it uh, as it ran um, after that for part two, which will be released later this month. That's RTI Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Rediscovering Indies on Facebook. Chris Gullo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And also, finally, I was approved for a Pro Wrestling T-Store. <laughs> and we will have Bowtie Mafia shirts coming uh, when the Pro Wrestling t shirt officially launches, which should be this week. So if you want a Bowtie Mafia shirt, you can get those. Okay.
2: Um, the, the Patreon is patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. If you want to read my, my long-form analysis, written analysis uh, about this, one of the subjects we talked about, which is how will wrestling be different, how will WWE be different post-Finsic Man, that is on the Patreon only. Um, actually, if you go to WrestleLomics.com, I've now set up, I'm, I'm now comfortable saying because it seems to be working well enough. Uh, if you go to WrestleLomics.com, you will see all of the subscriber Patreon content uh, on the front page alongside all the stuff that is for free. So if you're not a subscriber, you can still find all of the free stuff there, including the, the, the Trump article that we talked about earlier that is for free. There's also subscriber content as well. But anyway, that's $5 a month for the Patreon subscriber content. You get the TV ratings reports that I write nearly every day. You get quarter hours as they're available. You get WrestleMania's viewership spreadsheet with all of my TV ratings data in it. You get the slides to all of our podcasts, including this one. You get access to the pro wrestling industry reports for the annual years 2019, 20, 2020, 20, 2021. 20, and you get additional reporting and analysis. As I write it, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Join the hundreds of subscribers, including wrestling executives and wrestlers who are in the business, who subscribe. Um, so I'll read us out. Thanks to our WrestleNomics contributors, Jason Ompresur, Dr. Chris Ely, Jesse Collins. Thanks to our technical consultant and Twitter Twitter uh, WrestleNomics ratings game operator, Phil Turtok. Special thanks to John Pollock and Waiting, Corey Gibson, Showbiz Daily, Wrestling WrestleOx was created by Mookie, Chris Harrington. WrestleOx Radio is distributed in partnership with Post Wrestling and is supported by listeners and viewers like you. And we have no, uh, no grant from the Sears Roebuck Foundation just yet. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
0: Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple.